0: Hi, I'm Melissa
1: Smith, I'm Spencer Ziegler, and welcome to Data Lake, a podcast for educators by educators. Today, we're bringing you the second part of a mini series on the impact of artificial intelligence on education. So last episode, Allison Reed, the senior director of digital learning libraries, joined us to kind of take a really a high level approach to what is AI and how it might impact the classroom. And one of the things she pointed out was that this is more than just chat GPT. This is showing up in a lot of places in our classrooms, but also our lives. For instance, actually for that episode, the the album art for it, I did it using Canvas AI. Or, you know, driving in today, my music playlist was curated by artificial intelligence. So it's something that's popping in a lot of places. And one of the things Allison stressed was that I'm making sure that AI is the starting point, not necessarily the end point for teachers. Right, yeah. So you never just take them while it's shooting now and going with it. So for instance, like my playlist was a great example of that. You know, it introduced me to some new musicians that I love and had never heard of. But I also have a four-year-old and seven-year-old. So it was also dropping like Cocomelon songs in there, which oh, wow. you know, no shame, but that's not exactly what I was looking for. <laughs> so AI can be a tool, but it's one that we need to be using consciously and intentionally and thoughtfully. Right. Um, so today we want to kind of ground this topic with the perspective of a classroom teacher. So we're honored to be joined by Roseville Middle School's Paul Cancellary. So, Paul, thanks for joining us. Welcome, Paul. Yeah. Happy yeah, to be here can, you guys. Yeah. Thank you. Can you tell us briefly just about yourself?
2: Sure. I um, am in my 21st year of teaching middle mm-hmm. school science, uh, all of Woo-hoo. it in my county. Yeah. Yeah. Very happy to have be able to say that. Um and uh, throughout that time, my my kind of passion has been around grading and assessment, and mm-hmm. also on technology integration and how technology can make our jobs easier and make learning better for students. That's kind of been the driving force.
1: It is a very you have a very impressive resume, and so I'm curious where um, on that ranking of your your were you most proud in your career where does being the first returning guest on data Lit fall that's got to be like top three right top three
2: exactly yeah in fact if okay. you guys give me a second i'm going to update my linkedin profile right
1: now <laughs> <laughs> there you go there you I go i love it okay so can you tell us a little bit about your experience with ai as a classroom teacher sure um and i think
2: you know like you said uh, that allison had talked about AI is one of those things that has always, at least for the last decade, been in the background of a lot of what we do. And I think a lot of people just didn't notice it because Mm -hmm. it was being used to make to make products that we saw, but we weren't involved in any of the generation of AI Mm -hmm. content. And I think that's the real big difference. You know, um, I, as a middle school teacher, have not had a lot of problems with students using it to cheat. In fact, I, I put my foot in my mouth a few months ago when I asked my students if they had ever used ChatGPT to cheat, and suddenly their eyes lit up and they said, wait, that's a thing? <laughs> <This> <laughs> and I realized an right, I had uh, I created a problem instead of fixing one. So um, <laughs> in, in, in my classroom, the age of my kids and I think the, the novelty of AI, they haven't quite intersected yet. So my hmm. kids oh. are not actively using it for the most part. I have a few kids. That have used it, and a couple who have tried to use it surreptitiously without actually making it clear. Mm. Um, but I think where I've really inter- interacted with it is as a teacher using it to help build content um, mm. because as Allison said, it's a great starting point when you're when you're brainstorming and ideating to help generate ideas that you can then refine using your you know skills as a professional educator. That's been really helpful. And I've worked with a lot of teachers in my building, uh, tossing around ideas. I'm actually working on a book that I hope to have come out sometime next year. It's just full of ideas for teachers to use AI to make their lives easy.
0: So for our listeners who might be new to this, when we say use AI, like what are we talking about? And in your use, what are some of those early challenges? Like Mm -hmm. I know if you're now going to jump in. Uh, Like for me, I'm the kind of person there, so I've been hearing about it, but I'm trying to think of all of the pros and cons before I jump full on in. So like. If I if you can help someone sort of get around some of those challenges, what would you say are some of those challenges so I can avoid that before I even jump in?
2: Oh, that's a that's a great question. Uh, The first thing I would suggest, especially for Wake County teachers, is look for professional development. Wake County has actually mm-hmm. created for us a great Canvas course that's called oh. Artificial Intelligence in the Classroom, oh, um, created by the DLCs and it's um, the digital learning coordinators. And it is a really great, relatively quick way to look at artificial intelligence. And because it's it's made in-house, it talks about specifics to the way that we can access it, which I really like. Nice. But beyond that, um, because ChatGPT is the sort of big dog in the room, the one that most people have heard about, um, and it's the one that if you're on your Wake County device, you are able to access through our Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the place I recommend people start. You know, just open up uh, the ChatGPT window, and and it even gives you some suggested prompts. I think that people don't really appreciate how much it can do until they play around with it. Uh, this summer, I was doing some professional development with some teachers, Keenan Fellows, and I asked them to have ChatGPT Uh, create a poem for them in the style of a famous author or poet and have them just like choose any topic that they normally teach about and everyone was pretty impressed with the quality of the content that it created and then we went on to sort of make adjustments like you know change up that poem but include our school mascot and say what that was and uh you know we had we had limericks in the style of uh of
1: shakespeare that were about (laughs) uh, cell division you know (laughs) Oh, wow. It's really, really pretty neat, you know? Yeah. And that brings to mind something that Allison talked about that it's not necessarily things that teachers can't do, but at a, especially at a time when more and more is been being put on a teachers plate, it's something that can just save them some time. Like a teacher could write some polling uh, information from their school and the the, the, the voice of like uh, Emily Dickinson, but that's going to take time. So if you can use something like this, then yeah, that's fantastic.
0: So one yeah. of the things I, I I keep hearing us sort of talk about and I'm not sure our listeners, if again, if you've never opened up uh one of these AI tools like ChatGPT, we keep talking about a prompt. So so mm-hmm. tell us more about this prompt that that teachers need to be aware of.
2: Yeah, that's a that's a great question too. I think the what what really takes people aback is how much natural language you can use when you're asking yeah. the AI to create something you don't really have to know some secret language. You know, you don't have yeah. to write the prompt mm-hmm. in, a, in a special way, mm-hmm. you can literally just say, give me four word problems about balancing yeah. equations. And and then you can look at the content that you get, and then you can either rewrite your prompt, make changes mm-hmm. to the original prompt, or these uh, these uh, AI models now use mm-hmm. use a system where you can continue a conversation yeah and and adjust what you're asking for and it knows what you've already asked for so it's making adjustments to the original prompt kind of honing in on what it is you're looking for.
0: i never realized that so you can like continue like ask a question look at the response ask a follow-up question oh okay okay yeah i never realized it was doing that or can do that
2: yeah and i think that even a step beyond that is um you can you can set the stage with with your prompts tell the the ai in advance what you're going to be looking for. One of the things I read recently that I've tried that's really neat is that you can you can ask the AI, you can give the AI a sample of the type of product you're looking for, and then ask the AI what type of prompt would give me this output. It's like engineering. Yeah. yeah. And you can learn a lot about prompt writing that way because then it's going to tell you what would give you that output. And then you can start with that prompt that it gave you and adjust it for whatever you're looking
0: I guess for me it still feels kind of weird that you're in a chat, right? So sort of I'm mm-hmm. chatting with a robot, that is still freaking me out on some level that you know, I'm having this sort of back and forth conversation. Mm. Like I put something, it gives me something, I read it and I'm like, okay, here's a fall. Like I'm having a dialogue with um a robot or a computer, you know, that yeah. that that's still sort of
1: freaky that it's going to become sentient and take over the world and it'll be all your fault.
0: That's kind of yeah. where my head is going. Yeah, yeah. Like if I say, like if I say too much, it knows, I mean, I'm already freaked out that Facebook, I put one thing or i not even put it. I have a conversation with my friend about something and then I get ads. So I feel as though it's listening. So now if I'm actually chatting with it and giving it information, it just sort of feels like you know it's trying to get to know yeah. me and then it might become me. I mean, you know that's
1: that's why you always want to use please and thank yous when you're working with like <laughs> chatbots or you know <laughs> you know Lexus, yeah. Google Homes, those kind of things, so that when they do take over, they know I was know, a polite know, person. <laughs> that's right.
2: Yeah. Well and I, I will say to this the 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 evolution of uh tools like ChatGPT and um you know Google has one called BARD and mm-hmm. Uh, Khan Academy has made one that's school-centric that's called Khan Migo that's designed around helping students study. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you give it a topic and it can just throw out questions and then listen to your responses and give you feedback. Really, it's designed, um, I think all of these tools are designed through this chat interface to mimic talking to an expert, right? And I think that that's something that we kind of take for granted. You know, years and years ago, before we had fast ways to reach experts, you might have to wait a long time To talk Mm -hmm. to somebody who is really knowledgeable about something and now we've evolved to the point where the technology can provide that expert for us instantly on anything we want to know and while the expert's not perfect right because it's trained on on information that it it was on the internet and a lot of these uh, models are trained on information that was prior to about 2021 yeah Yeah. so there's a limit to what it can do in terms of up-to-date information but i like the chat interface because it does feel a lot more natural. Like if I can just imagine that I'm speaking with a a person who just knows a lot and can work very, very quickly.
0: Mm -hmm. So Paul, you mentioned something that made me think, uh, and I'm sorry for taking us off track, but you talked about it's like talking to an expert. So I'm a teacher in a classroom. I'm supposed to be the expert. So how should I think about this when I'm the expert, like not to feel intimidated by something that, could feel like it potentially has more information than I do as a teacher. Like, how do you help teachers overcome that?
2: Yeah, oh, that's a that's a, a great point. I think a lot of folks can feel intimidated, right? There's this existential feeling that maybe these uh, AIs will take our place. But mm-hmm. you know, there's so many things that classroom teachers do minute to minute in their classroom that there's no AI that can do, at least not right now yeah. or in the near future you know you're there with your kids and you have that relationship with your mm-hmm. kids and you mm-hmm. you know their strengths and weaknesses and so you're going to be the best one to make decisions about which tools to use which strategies to use and how to use the data you get from instruction to act on it the way i look at it is that these A's, these ais are essentially teaching assistants you know mm-hmm. i'm not fortunate enough to have a live human teaching assistant or co-teacher in my classroom But if I did, I'd want them to help share that workload and and maybe to do some of the things that I that I can't do or that I can't do as quickly. And in return, that frees me up to do the things that I can do that they can't do. So that's what I see as the strength here. We can offload some of the tasks that can be done more quickly by the AI to to the these technology tools. And that frees me up to work on the connection with the kids, analyze data.
1: Yeah, I like that because time is a zero-sum game. So if you are able to allocate more time to the part that you know, research shows is really going to move the needle, which is those relationships with those kids in the pedagogy, then all the better.
0: So the buy-in is the time piece, right? The efficiency mm-hmm. piece. Okay. Well, that being said, can you tell us or provide to us, based on your experience, working with this. What are some of your favorite prompt yeah. or activities?
2: Oh, yeah. I, I have some that I like to use and ones that I've shared with other teachers and, uh, and I've gotten some great feedback about. One of my favorites I use frequently is called Beat the Bot because kids get very competitive with one another and even more competitive when they think they're up against a, a machine. Mm. And So uh, you can ask a tool like ChatGPT to generate for you two or three paragraph explanation of a topic and you can ask the, the AI to intentionally include errors. And I like oh, to tell wow. it exactly how many errors I want there to be. So let's say write a three paragraph summary of cellular respiration and include four errors. And it spits out this output. I look through it and make sure that there are only four errors, right? I make sure that the content is at the right level. If the reading level is not appropriate for my kids, I go back into the AI and I ask it to rewrite it at a different reading level. I oh. can even differentiate the reading level for different kids in my classroom. And then I give it to the kids and all I tell them is there are four mistakes. You have to find them. And I tell them this was generated by AI. And I say, the, you know, artificial intelligence makes mistakes all the time. Your job mm. is to find the mistakes that are here. I don't always tell them that I asked for the mistakes, but that, that critical eye, right? That, that yeah. eye that's looking for mistakes, not only is it a competitive, their their desire to
1: find them is kind of intrinsic at that point, but it makes them look a lot more closely at the text. Oh, I love that. And that actually makes me think of uh, last time you were on the show was on um, print culture feedbacks and those. And I remember y'all talking about, this might have come from Dylan Williams, but just the best feedback feels like detective work. And I I think that kind of ties into that when students are kind of seeking out instead of you just telling them X, Y, and Z, that's going to be better. And like I said, a a good life skill in terms of that critical thinking. And that's those are going to be what the employable skills are, especially in the age of AI.
2: Yeah, that's 100% true. I think. Um, The other prompt that uh, math teachers and I like to work on a lot is word problems because Mm. word problems take time to build, right? Math problems in general are hard to write but when the AI can generate them for you and better than that, you can ask the AI to include the names of actual students or adults in a building or pop culture figures. So when they're reading this word problem, it's not just a random word problem written by somebody who doesn't know them. It feels personal. They feel like they're pulled into it. Yeah. That's cool.
0: I like that one as well.
2: Uh, And then there's one other prompt that I've been playing around with lately that I really like. Um, I've been trying to get my kids to do more hands-on things and to do more rotations through like stations, or I guess elementary teachers would probably call them uh, centers. Yeah. Um, But that can be a lot of work too, right? Because you need to generate an activity for each of these stations. And if you want there to be really small groups at each station, you need lots of stations. And a lot of what can tie tie down a teacher who doesn't have time to make it is generating these activities. But AI tools can generate dozens of ideas in just seconds. And so I can say to a, a ChatGPT or a similar product, I can say, give me 20 ideas for stations that would help me teach the causes of the Revolutionary War. Oh, wow. And it will spit mm-hmm. out 20 and I can pick out the four or five or six that I think are the best or modify some of the ideas that it provides. And it can even generate handouts that you would give to students with answer keys. Oh, interesting.
1: I like how you're, you're asking for 20 there. You're probably not going to have 20 stations, but the idea of, you know, almost like that writer's block, the blank page can be intimidating. But if you yeah. get that starting point, that first draft, then you say like, OK, I can, I can whittle this down to like five really good stations and tweak this, tweak that. But gives you that starting point. Yeah. And
2: to your point from the beginning, as Allison pointed out, the AI is the starting point, not the ending point. Mm -hmm. Um, I've never asked an AI to generate something that I've used, uh, whole cloth without any kind of editing or review. And that again is where our professional expertise kicks in. You know, like I, I know what good quality uh, content for my students looks like. I know what kinds of activities they can handle, which ones might be too easy or take too long. And so by it generating ideas, it takes that brainstorming out of my hands and lets me focus on what I'm good at, uniquely good at, which is creating these meaningful learning experiences for my kids
1: Mm. and i feel like a a thread through each of those prompts is that personalization which sounds weird to say from you know a chatbot but that you can do it to personalize and individualize some of the instruction for kids pulling in names getting a lot of stations instead of everyone getting the same kind of instruction so you can make it Relevant and authentic, and pull in some of that like universal designs for learning um, through the through AI. Yeah, I think that's it. Because I think that what holds us back
2: sometimes to personalize is the thought of how much effort and time it takes. I mean, I teach mm-hmm. 122 kids. Yeah. I can't write 122 different personalized lessons. Right. But but an AI bot could create 122, and it could do it very very quickly. And so that's where I can take, you know, like combine my expertise with the nearly unlimited, you know, time and effort and strength that comes with, with all this uh, computer processing.
0: Mm-hmm. You know how they say that, you know, as teachers, we are preparing kids for the future. This is just one of those. This is like a real life example of how important it is as teachers for us to engage with AI because like it's their future, whether they know it or not, like this is happening and it's not like we can shut our eyes to it. It is happening and evolving. So it kind of is our responsibility as educators to make sure that they are aware. Like I heard somebody talk about, you know, we talk about the four C's and then one of the the new skills is effective AI use. Like that's something that Mm -hmm. they have to be willing to do in the next couple of years or, or currently like that's what the, the, the job market is actually now looking for.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And most Melissa, I think you made a great point earlier when you said that this is, this is something that's a critical skill and not something that can be avoided. I mean, we draw a lot of parallels between calculators and AI yeah. right? <laughs> that kids are now able to do so much more complicated math because they don't have to spend time on the basic skills but they do have to know those basic skills before right. they're ready to pick up the calculator yeah. and i think that once we've taught kids how to uh to do basic writing then the more complicated skill the more challenging skill is editing it's proofreading and that's something they could they could do when they're given ai content and if we teach them those skills then when they're adults they could lean on an ai to generate a draft of some kind of writing and then they could use their knowledge and experience to edit it, which I think, like you said, is going to be the skill of the future.
1: Yeah. yeah. And there is, you know, the calculator analogy is apt. There's connections to, you know, Wikipedia, you know, Internet. And I think some degree of this is just a natural human apprehension to new things, to changes. So, for instance, here, here's a quote that I came across when researching for this. If men learn this, it will implant forgetfulness in their souls. They'll cease to exercise memory because they'll rely on that which is written. And that's Plato about handwritten scrolls. No so way. Always, <laughs> yeah. So there's always going to be some degree of like, <laughs> hey, this is going to change things and, you know, shaking your fist at the, cr- the cloud for, you know, kids these days. And it, it's understandable. Like that's human. You know, we don't necessarily like change. But I think you gave us some ideas for how to use this to make. Uh, teaching a little bit more personalized and efficient for the teacher.
2: Yeah, that's really the goal. I think that if we embrace it, to Melissa's point, if the kids are going to see that and they're going to recognize two things. Number one, AI can make your life easier, but the output of AI is not perfect. And hmm. they need to. there needs to be transparency about the fact that I'm taking that AI content, that the output, and I'm modifying it, editing it, proofreading it. And that's what they need to do down the road when they're given access to these tools. That's you know, coming soon.
0: Mm. And I think I like the idea, too, that you've, you've given us some advice, same way how when computers were coming on the screen, teachers felt as though I wouldn't have a place in the class. I could see those sort of angst coming up with AI. Well, then what is my role in the class? I, I think a lot of the strategies that you provided for us today help our listeners understand that you still have a role, right? There's still a place, right? Your expertise still matter in the classroom, mm-hmm with AI. It's not a replacing you, but if you get in front of it, how can you use AI to your benefit?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And they're going to continue to need us teachers until AI can do lunch duty. I
0: love that. I love that.
1: (laughs) So yes, thank you, Paul. That was wonderful. We appreciate you coming and uh, chatting with us about AI.
0: Yeah. Thanks for coming.
1: It was a pleasure. I look forward to my third visit. Oh yeah, we got to make this soon. Yeah, and actually, one of your school students, Jamal Wellman, uh, provided the theme music for for the season. So thank you, Jamal. And if listeners have any questions, notes, want to contact us, they can do so at www.wcpss.net/datalit, and we'll catch you next time.
0: Bye.